0: Have you ever been in a situation where you just didn't know what to do? Yeah? Say so like, yep, I'm in that way right now. I got something going on. And, and I just I just don't know how to figure... How many of you have been there before? You just you just didn't know what to do. You just didn't know which direction, which path. It's not that there was a good way and a bad way. There was just m- multiple options and you just weren't sure how to proceed. Maybe you can think back to when you are in high school. You know, and you're getting ready to graduate, and you're starting to think about which college you want to attend, and what do you want to major in, and and um and what that's going to be like, and what classes you're supposed to do at what time. So, uh, now when I was in high school, I didn't even think about college until the second semester of my senior year. I just didn't care; it wasn't even on my radar. But now kids are like preparing for college in the ninth grade, in the eighth grade, and they're taking classes that are already giving them credit. I mean, it's crazy. And we're thinking it's a huge, huge decision that they have to make. And and you think, God, what do you want me to do? Or maybe you get to your mid to late twenties and you start thinking about that career. You've graduated college and you have multiple options out there on the table and one pays you a little more. One has more benefits. One's close to family. One's across the country. You think, I don't, I don't know which direction to go. It's not there like there's a really bad choice, but I don't know what to, or maybe it's the relationship side of things and you're dating someone and it's starting to get serious and speed up a little bit. And I, I just, I don't know what to do. Is this the person that's God brought to me? Maybe you're watching somebody in your life and they're making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision and you really want to do and say something, but you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say. Anybody ever been there before? Or it's with your kids. It's your kids and they're... You're thinking, I don't know what to do with them. Now, what I want to do with them, I'll probably get arrested for and might spend some time in jail. But, but I just don't know how to keep them from acting like a bunch of knuckleheads. I don't know what to do. The series that we're talking about is When God Promises. And we've been looking at a few of the promises of God that are supposed to help us to think about what the promises that God has for us and how they're to help us to navigate some of these difficult situations and difficult places that we find ourselves in life. And that's where we are today. What to do? What do do I need to do? I don't know what to do. If you ever find yourself in that situation, there's a verse, James 1.5. If you have your notes, you can read along with me. And this is what it says. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should do what? What's it say? Ask God. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. And it says, who gives to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So why? Why do we ask God? Why do we bring to him our questions? Why do we approach him with stuff we have going on in life? Now, this is not in your notes, and I'm not going to charge you extra for it. And so this is a freebie. And so if you have a blank space and you're a note taker, you can write this somewhere on the edges. But here's just a couple reasons why you should ask God. One, one reason is because he knows you better. God knows you. The scripture says that, that he knit, he's the one that knit us together in our mother's womb, that he created us. He knows how our mind works. He knows our personality. He knows how we're wired up. He knows us. He knows how we're gifted. He knows where we've been. He knows the path you ought to take to be on. He knows you better. And if he knows us better than anyone, then we should probably ask him, ask him from time to time, God, what should I do? Here's a second thought. Second reason why you should ask God is because he loves you more. Now, if you think your mama loves you most, you're wrong. She doesn't. God does. God loves you most. He loves you fully. He loves you completely. And he really does want what's best for you in your life. Here's a third reason. Ready? No one has more resources than God. No one. So not only can God guide you, but he can give us what we need to take us where we need to go. He has what we need to get us where we need to get to in life. And here's the thing, his plan for us is best. His plan is better than any plan that we can get. And so if we ask God, God, I need to know what to do, then maybe he will speak to us and he'll give us the answer. Now, if you're following along, now we're getting back to our outline. So pull out your outline. And the question is this is, so if God wants to speak to us, then how does He speak to us? How does God speak to us? I just have three quick ways that God speaks to us. One is He speaks to us through His Spirit. We call this, if you're a follower of Jesus, we call this the nudges. Of God, maybe, where His Holy Spirit speaking to us. And I know this sounds a little bit spooky, a little bit mystical, a little bit weird, you know, and you're thinking, so you're, you're hearing voices, Jared? I mean, are you like starting to hear things? And the answer is yes, yes. That God speaks to us down deep inside in our hearts and in our minds. And it's a little bit of an art form to hear and to understand what God is trying to say. It takes a little bit of practice to understand and to know that it's God's voice. But, but when we ask God to be a part of our lives, when we surrendered him to him as our Lord and Savior, then the scripture tells us that he deposited inside of us a part of himself called his Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit dwells within us as followers of His. And if it's dwelling within us, then it has the ability to speak to us. It has the ability to talk and to nudge and to direct us. And if you listen, you can hear His Spirit speaking to you. We just have to learn how to hear and how to sense what He's trying to say. Here's the second thing, is that God gives us wisdom through His Word. Out of all the ways that God speaks to us, this is the most direct. Because it's right here in black and white and print and red from time to time. It's right here. This is what God is trying to say to us. And it's all written down so that we don't get confused. So that's why I go back. You hear me say all the time as your pastor that you need to be getting into the word of God. And it's not just so that you become great theologians and you understand the mysteries of God. But it's because God wants to speak to your life through this. And now I'm not talking about like the, the misuse of God's word. Like how many of you have ever heard somebody say, well, you know, I just do the, the page turning style where I just randomly flip through the Bible, and then I circle my finger, and I ask God a question, and I stick it down. I mean, that can get you in a whole lot of trouble. I had a friend in high school who, who said that he would do this from time to time. He just flipped through. and yeah, I heard a joke once about a guy who was doing that. He had a big question in life. He was like, God, I need you to speak to me. And he flipped through, and he found the passage. He put his finger down, and, and it said, and Jesus and Judas went and hung himself from a tree, and he got a little bit freaked out. He's like, no, 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 God can't really be saying that. And so he flipped a couple other pages and spun and stuck his finger down again. And the verse that he found said, and go and do likewise. And he started to really get freaked out. And so he did it a third time. And he said, and he went through and he did the flip and he did the push and it said, and what you're going to do, go and do quickly. And he threw his Bible across the room. He was like, no, and I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the misuse. I'm not talking about it just about learning what it has to say because you want to know the knowledge. But I'm talking about that this introduces us to the heart of God and to the will of God and to the love of God. And it it introduces us to who He is and what He wants to say to us in our lives. It gives us a framework that we think life through. And it gives us a filter that we filter questions and decisions and urgings and promptings through. It's what God is saying to his people. And he took so much care for it that he wrote it down and it survived thousands of years. Amen? Here's a third one. Are you ready? Is that God gives wisdom through his people. He speaks through his people. Now, there's a lot of great verses in the scripture that talk about that there's wisdom in the counsel of many. But I'm talking about godly people, not knuckleheads, right? I, like, I don't want to go and ask somebody a question that's as dumb as me, right? I want to ask somebody who knows a little bit more. You know, when you think about those people that you need to ask, it's those, the, the word wise comes up. You think, you know, this is a wise person. This is a person who represents the Spirit in the heart of God. This is a person that I can trust and that I can believe in. It's, it's like I've, I've had high school students that, that I would question decisions they'd make and I'd say, hey, where did you come up with that? Why did you do something so ridiculous? They said, well, I was thinking about it and I asked my friend. And I said, your friend's an idiot, just like you. Why would you ask them about this huge, important decision in life? Ask somebody who's been there before. Ask somebody who's godly. Ask somebody who knows a little bit. Amen? It's just common sense, right? But we get it wrong sometimes. Look for people that pass the muster of their relationship with God. You say, that is the type of person, their prayer life, their heart life, the way they care about people, that's the type of person that I think might be wise and might be able to give me some advice about something really, really important. It's how God speaks. That's how, how God speaks to his people, through his word, through his spirit, and through others. So, so what do we do when we go to God? What are some things that we need to think about when you don't know what to do? And here's just four things for you as you're taking notes. And the first one is this, is make God your first option and not your last resort. Make God your first option and not your last resort resort. My son is at that age where he loves to play with water bottles. And 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 he he just loves any kind of, you know, Dasani water bottle. His favorite is a Gatorade bottle. If he finds a Gatorade bottle, I don't know what it is about a Gatorade bottle. He loves to play with those things. And the thing is, is that when I give him one, what he doesn't know, and I don't want you to tell him because I don't want you to ruin his confidence. I mean, he's two years old. He needs a boost. What he doesn't know is that dad does the hard work before he gets the bottle. And so I'll crack the seal and it'll be empty because if it's not empty, it'll be everywhere because he just flings everything over his head. Um, but I do the hard work and I give him that bottle and because I know he can't open it on his own. Now, here's the thing is that if Wesley gets that bottle before I do, that kid is so stubborn. He gets it from his mama because it's not me. That kid, he will grab that bottle and he will grab that lid and his face will just turn beet red and he'll... Uh, and if you try to grab it for him to help him, he's like, no, no. And he he just won't let it go. The, the kid will get a death grip and he'll grab it into his chest and he'll just hold on to that thing even though you're trying to help him. And he'll struggle and he'll fight and his face will get red and he'll get worn out and then eventually he'll look at me and he'll go, peace, peace. And I'll take the bottle, and I'll crack the seal. I'll loosen it up a bit. Now, he doesn't want me to take the lid off, because that's his. He wants to be the one to actually get it off. But I'll hand it to him, and he'll just, just so proud. Just spin it off like, ah, peas, peas, daddy. Now, it's kind of funny, but I'm not too different than my son. I know I blame Haley, but he probably really gets it from me. Because I remember when Haley and I got married, and we were... um we were starting to tackle this idea of paying off debt. You know, I brought some college debt and some credit card debt in our life, and Haley brought a little bit of college debt and, and some credit card debt in her life. And unfortunately, we both had cars that we were making those really easy payments on, you know, that they talked us in. Well, then I just pursued when I went and bought my beautiful truck. and um And so we looked at this mess and we were like, you know what, we need to fix this. We need to pay this off. And so I just said, hey, well, let's start paying it off. And every time we'd get a little extra in our paycheck, I would throw a chunk at this credit card, and then I'd throw a chunk at this truck, and then I would throw it at this, and I'd throw it at that. But the problem was is that I wasn't really working a plan. I wasn't really figuring it out. I really wasn't achieving much success because I was just doing it the random way that Jared wanted to do it, not a better way, a proven way that someone has had success doing it. And so when we moved out here, we still had quite a bit of debt in our life, and I thought, and we were still trying to pay off debt, but we wanted to buy a house, and so we bought a house that was empty, and we had no furniture, and so we went to Ashley Furniture Store, and we like, hey, it's you know monthly payments same as cash, and so we bought a new table and a new furniture, and you know, and and so not only did we not pay off debt, we added more debt to our. Now is that a good plan or what? Yeah. And then we looked at this and I pulled out the numbers and I said, "Babe, I think we're going in the wrong direction." What are we going to do? And somebody introduced us to financial peace university that I had been avoiding quite a bit in life. So I don't want to do that Dave Ramsey plan. But the thing about the Dave Ramsey plan was it was actual plan. And if you work the plan, the plan works. Here's the thing, is that I was following the advice of somebody when I was doing on my own that had never done it before and had made bad choices. But when I started asking somebody, Dave Ramsey, how do you do this? And learning and listening to the advice that he gave, we have paid off a lot of debt in our lives. A lot. But I had to ask somebody, I had to figure it out, not by my own strength, my own wisdom, but by somebody who had been there before. And that's how we are with God sometimes. Sometimes we get to a big decision in life, and we just start plowing through. And we just start making up our own choices and our own decisions, and we just try to use our own wisdom to figure it out. And then eventually we kind of wise up and we figure out, you know, all I've done is just made a huge mess. Anybody ever made a huge mess in their life by doing their life their own way? It's okay to confess it. Now, don't tap on your spouse's shoulder and say, Come on, Karen, that's not sweet. That's not nice. Yes. And then I look at God and I say, God, help me fix this. But what if? What if I would have came to God first? Instead of saying, God, clean up my mess. Give me wisdom to do it the right way the first time. Does that make sense? The Scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that's in your notes. I want you to pull it out. It says, trust in the Lord with what? What's it say? All your heart. You might need to circle those words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own what? Understanding. So he's saying, hey, hey, hey. De- depend on God. Don't depend on this own. This own, This is what gets you in the mess in the first place. So don't look here, but look to God. And it says, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. What a promise. What a promise. What a truth. When, when you don't know what to do, make God your first option, not your last resort. Here's a second thought. When you don't know what to do, if God's not speaking, wait. Say that word after me or with me. Wait. Now this is hard. Wait. How many of you have ever heard the name Ted Williams? Anybody? Baseball player? Yeah. If you love baseball, you can't love baseball and not know the name Ted Williams. Ted Williams is the greatest, probably the greatest hitter of all time. He, he holds the record for the highest batting average in one season where he batted 406. Which is absolutely over the top, remarkable. He, he holds the highest on base percentage for a career, somewhere around 486. So that means every other time he went to the plate, he got on base, which is amazing. Amazing. He was a 19 time all star. Are you right? 19. He wrote a book called The Science of Hitting. I mean, this guy was the greatest hitter probably the greatest hitter to ever play the game. He's in the Hall of Fame. He has a plaque in, in the Hall of Fame. And uh, if you'll throw that up there, this is a picture of Ted Williams. And what Ted Williams did early on in his career, when he was writing this book is that he made up a chart. And if you can't, you can't see those numbers, but you can see the colors. What this is, is it's a chart of the strike zone the, the, and, and what Chad Williams did is he figured out through his history of playing the game and, and of, of where he was successful as a hitter and where he was terrible as a hitter. And so if that box is the strike zone, if you see right in the middle, there's some red squares. Those red squares show that if a pitch goes through one of those red squares, more than likely he's going to bat 400. That's almost every other time he hits that ball and it goes into play, he's getting on base. And if you look a little bit high, you know, you see the yellow, that's where it's 350. And so he'll bat 350 as a hitter if a pitch comes through that. But if you look at the bottom right corner, they're white. They're beyond cold. Because if a pitch comes through the strike zone there, he only hits 228 as a hitter. And so what he was saying in this book, The Science of Hitting, is that the key to being a great hitter is to hit pitches where you're good at hitting. To not swing at the places where you know more than likely you're going to get yourself out. Now that's just the strike zone. Because if a, a pitch is outside the strike zone, then it even gets lower as your batting average. And so he said, he, this is what he said. Ted Williams said, the key to being a great hitter is this. It's patience. It's waiting. It's not swinging at the pitch that the pitcher wants you to swing at, but it's swinging at the pitch that you know you can hit because it's in your sweet spot. Because if you swing at the bad pitches, guess what you'll always get? Bad pitches. And so you swing at the good ones. He says the key is patience. What a truth. What a truth to making decisions in our life. The key to making good decisions in our life is often this. Patience. Waiting. It's not just rushing out and swinging and and just doing what we think is best, but it's asking God and then listening for the voice of God and not plunging ahead, but waiting for God to speak. It's patience. It's waiting, and it's so hard. Amen? It's hard to wait from time to time. When North Hills, one of our sister churches in the north side of town, built their facility, um, how long ago was that, Don? They built the big building. 15 years ago, 20 years ago? About 20 years ago. Um, It was going to be a $4 million project. And so they put a building team together and they started the process of talking to architects and, and trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to build this thing? What's it going to look like? And so they told the architect some of their plans and, and then, um, and then the architect came back with a design. And, and my pastor, Steve, told me that when they put the design in front of them and the building team was looking at that design together and trying to figure out if this is what they should build. And, um, he said many people around the table didn't have a good, good feeling about it and so they looked at the architect and they said we really appreciate what you put together but we don't think this is right so the architect took it back and in and a, and a few meetings later he came back with another plan and he said okay this is another idea what do you think about this and they looked at it and a couple people around the table and the pastor said you know i, I really don't think this is a good direction I don't think this is what we're waiting for. And they said they did this like four or five times. And at that one of the very last meetings, the architect looked at him and said, you know what? You're going to just have to choose something. And Steve said, "Uh, no, we're not. (laughs) We're not just going to choose something. We have the ability to say no and to wait because if we don't feel good about it, then there's no reason moving forward. So he said, he looked at the architect and said, hey, hey, we're just going to take a break. We don't know how long of a break, but we don't, we we don't want you to bring any other plans to us because we're going to stop and we're going to pray and we're going to listen to the voice of God. We're going to wait for God to speak. And then we'll know. Steve said about two, three, four months later, he got a call from the architect and he said, hey, I've got one more plan that one of my guys put together. And he said, I want you to look at it. I think, I think this one will fit your needs. And Steve said, okay. So they pulled the team together and they pulled out the plans and they looked around it as a table and they talked about what was designed. And he said unanimously around the table, everybody said, that's the one. That's it. That's what, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to build. This is how we're supposed to move forward. They said, I'm so glad I didn't choose, or we didn't get rushed, or we didn't feel the pressure and make one of these other decisions because every single person around the table said, this is it. It felt right. It's hard for God to guide us if we're constantly running out ahead of His voice. Psalms 27.14 says this. It says, wait, say it with me, patiently. Let's try that one more time. Wait patiently for the Lord. I love this next sentence. I want you to say it with me. Be brave and courageous. Now, why do we have to be brave and courageous if we're waiting? Because truthfully, sometimes waiting is the scariest action. We want to press on. We want to move. We want to do. We want to get our hands busy just going. And sometimes we just have to wait patiently. Wait. Don't get out in front of me, guys. Is what the Lord's saying. Don't just rush off and get your hands busy doing stuff. Wait on me. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't get out in front of me. Wait. Yes, he says, wait patiently for the Lord. Here's a third thought. Are you ready? Remember, God doesn't evaluate decisions the same way we do. God doesn't evaluate decisions the same way we do. You know what? It is a good thing having people around us that don't think or lead the way or process things exactly the way we do. That's a good thing. Now, to be honest, it's really frustrating from time to time. You're sitting around a table trying to make a decision. You ever been there before with a group of people and you're talking stuff through it and you feel really passionate about moving forward and someone says, whoa, 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 let's just wait a second. Let's ask a few more questions. And you go, are you serious? Or somebody around the table says, hey, I think we're ready to move forward. And you're like, whoa, 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 I've got a few more thoughts about this. Let's just keep processing a little bit. Let's not rush. Or or somebody just out of the blue, you know, starts questioning a decision that's made. Not because they just want to question you, but because they have a really good thought about it. Now, that type of stuff really drives you crazy from time to time. But it's really good stuff. Because we need people around us that don't always think and evaluate and process things exactly the way we do. Dave Ramsey likes to say, if everybody around the table thinks and acts exactly the same, there's a lot of people completely unnecessary, right? That it's good to have different people around the table that think and process things different than we do, and it's the same thing with God is that God always doesn't process or think and evaluate things the way we do. I look through things through the lens of Jared, and the lens of Haley, and the lens of Wesley, and the, the lens of Riley, and what I think is best for my family. And God says, well, Jared, I look things through the lens of me, and the church, and your community, And your neighbors. I, he doesn't always, we don't always think things through exactly the way God does. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says it this way. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. How many of you have ever looked at God and said, God, what are you thinking? What are you thinking, God? He says, my thoughts, guys, are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways already, they're far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So God is saying, hey, if you're trying to figure me out in my thought process, good luck. It ain't happening. He evaluates things differently than we do. So we need to, we need to think about that. How does God evaluate things differently than we do? Just, just a couple. One, is God has a different set of values, you're at a crossroads and you're thinking about changing your career and, and one career, one job that you're thinking about taking pays you a little bit money, has better benefits. You know, well, that's the obvious choice, right? The one that has more pays me more money, the one that gives me better benefits, that's obviously the job that I want to take. Well, if we consider the values of God, it may not be so obvious because what if that job takes you away from the people that God has told you to love most in your life? and it takes you away for longer periods of time, and it's going to hurt your relationship. Now, I'm not always saying to take the job that pays you less money. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that our evaluation is not always the same. Our values are not always the same as God's. And God may be saying, you know, I don't want you to take the job that pays more because I want you to spend more time with your kids who need you more during the season of their life. If you're going to lean into God and ask him, God, what would you do? You need to consider that he has a different set of values than we do. Here's the second thing, is that God has a broader perspective than we do. There's good therapy. Are you ready? I want you to say this after me. It's not always, let's try it again. I didn't see a few lips moving. So one more time. It's not always just about me. That's good therapy because it's not. It's not always about you, and it's not always about me. When you're seeking the kingdom and you're seeking the wisdom of God, what you really need to realize is that God's not always looking at you. And God's not always evaluating your decisions based on what's best for you. Or He looks at a broader perspective. He looks at the perspective of your family, of your friends, of your church. And sometimes God is guiding you to do something in light of the people that you haven't even met yet. He said, I'm putting you in this place for somebody that you don't even know that you're going, that I'm going to use you to bless, to encourage, to lead me or to lead them to me. I mean, think about this for a second. Think about the fact that God has probably during your life brought people into your life at different seasons just to impact your journey, right? And what if he wants to do that through you? It's not always about you. God takes an eternal view. It's not always about the here and now, but it's about eternity. It's not about our world, but it's about the future. God evaluates decisions in light of eternity. Can I give you one last thought? Are you ready? Does you have to be open to hear what God has to say? This is a tough one. You ever seen the Charlie Brown, the Charlie Brown a cartoon? He's leafing through a Bible. And Lucy says, what are you doing? He says, I'm trying to find a verse that, that supports my preconceived idea. <laughs> he's already made up his mind. Now he's just trying to su- find a verse that supports what he's already made up in, inside. How many of you have ever done that before? Yep, me too. Have you ever thought about the fact that when we're seeking wisdom from God, that sometimes we aren't actually seeking wisdom from God? That we're just trying to get God to say, just go ahead and do what you want to do. I'll be here. I'll support you. I'll help you. Listen, it doesn't matter what God has to say if we're not listening and if we're not willing to be obedient. You see, sometimes what God tells us to do, get this, is hard. It's not easy. It's difficult. We say, God, you want me to do what? You want me to apologize to who? Well, I didn't do anything wrong. You want me to make amends with, are you serious, God? They're the ones that wronged me. You want me to go to them? I didn't do anything. You want me to, what? What? You want me to slow down? God, I'm busy. I got stuff to do. I've got to get on. I got kids to take care of. I got a church to lead. I got stuff. You want me to. No. There's no slowing down. But God, I'm doing this for you. I haven't done anything wrong. You want me to do what? Isaiah. 55.3 Fifty-five, three says this. I want you to read the bold part with me. It says, come to me with your ears wide open. Come to me. Come to me. Actually listening. Come to me. Listen, the verse says, and you will find life. Jeremiah 29.13 says, you will seek me and find me, when you seek me with all your what? Heart. With all your heart. See, often it's not wisdom we need. It's courage. It's courage to do what he's telling us to do, to truly listen. You see, some of us, some of us know the right thing to do, the God thing to do. The problem is it's just the hard thing to do. We're saying, God, I don't want to do that. That's too hard. That's too hard. You have to be open to hear and to do what God says. Sometimes we just say, you know what, God, I just want to feel better. I just want to feel better. Come along with me. Help me through this. I just want you to do what I'm doing, God. I don't. I really don't want a different path. I don't want a different plan. I just want you to support what I'm trying to do, God. Some of us are are seeking for wisdom from people that we don't need to be talking to. And we're just wanting them to confirm the decisions that we've already made. some of us need to say, you know what? I need right counsel from godly people. Scripture says this, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. And then do what he tells you. I'm adding that. And then do what he tells you. This morning as we close, I just want everyone to bow their head and close their eyes just for a moment. Worship team, come up and help us get ready to, to sing. The question I have for you this morning is simple. How many of you would be honest to say this morning, you know, Jared, I could use some wisdom right now. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and just say, yep, I got something going on. I've got a decision to make. I have something happening in my family. And God, I need your help. How many of you would say, you know what, I've been trying to navigate my own stuff in life and I've made a mess And I just want to back up and I want God to help me, to help me through this. And not only to help me through the mess that I've made, but give me a clear path moving forward. I don't want to keep doing the same stuff and finding myself in the same place. God help me.